Welcome to Season 2 of Voices from the Land, a special podcast series produced by the Legacy Hope Foundation. In this podcast series, we'll hear about Indigenous language revitalization projects and efforts to preserve and promote Indigenous languages across Turtle Island. Join us as we learn more about how Indigenous languages are helping Indigenous peoples connect, know, and remember the voices from the land. Okay, hello and welcome to this podcast on Indigenous languages. Voices from the Land is an Indigenous languages podcast project produced by the Legacy of Hope Foundation. Its goal is to capture more perspectives and voices on Indigenous language revitalization. We are seeking to capture a range of perspectives to better reflect the many people engaged in Indigenous language revitalization. Our aim is that by listening to teachers, adult learners, and parents or guardians of children in language classes or whose children have taken language classes, we can gain more insight into what are the challenges and barriers, as well as the solutions and positives that are out there. In turn, we hope this will form a larger discussion on how to support Indigenous language revitalization. In this episode, our guest is Alea Owach. She's an adult language learner of the Cree language and has future plans to also teach Cree. Hello, Alea, and welcome to this language podcast. We're happy to have you join us today. How are you today? Thank you for your introduction. I'm doing well today. Um, how are you? <laughs> good, good. Maybe we can start by you uh, talking a bit about yourself. Uh, um, I think it's your Cree and uh, you're, uh, you're living in Saskatoon, I understand. And um, tell me more about your family and uh, the community or your, like your dad, I guess, uh, would be where you come from. Uh-huh. So um, I'm actually from Carry the Kettle First Nation. It's about 45 minutes from Regina, Saskatchewan. And so they're Nakoda. However, I'm also tied to George Gordon First Nation, which is the family that I grew up around, which is a Cree First Nation. And so I grew up around my mom's side a lot, which is from George Gordon's First Nation. And so I did not grow up around language. The first time I even heard a fluent Cree speaker was when I was 19 at the University of Regina. And his name is Solomon Rat. He's a very highly regarded language teacher and speaker um, in the Treaty 4 territory. And so the first time I even heard Cree spoken fluently was from him. So growing up, I grew up in the Catholic school system. I attended Catholic school from grade one all the way to grade 12. And so there, French is mandatory. Like you have to take French courses in elementary and you do have the option to take um, French in high school, but there's no other languages offered besides Spanish. So I never even got access to my language or Nakoda or anything all throughout my life. So that's the kind of place that I'm coming from. That's where I base myself in my language learning is completely beginner. However, I have done a lot of work myself, teaching myself, being around language speakers in Treaty 6, as well as my in-laws. They're from the Sweetgrass First Nation, and most of them are fluent, if not very high intermediate speakers. And so 
When I'm around elders, I just sit and listen. The best thing language learners can do is sit and listen to the language. And even if you only know like a few words, you're going to be able to pick up kind of what they're saying. Um, so that's just a little bit about me. <laughs> oh, that's very interesting. You come from a background of uh, Lakota and Cree. Um, mm. I think uh, the Lakotas were also in Manitoba, parts of Manitoba. And uh, I had some friends who were from uh, uh, a place called Disney Brandon, uh, Sioux Valley, I think it was. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with that place. Uh, anyways, uh, as an adult learner of an indigenous language, um, what are some of the barriers that you see or experience while trying to learn your indigenous language? Think of some barriers that you experience. What are the difficulties, challenges that you've gone through? I guess one of the biggest barriers that I've gone through already in just a short amount of time is access. There's a lot of Cree courses offered through universities and free Cree courses online, but they don't go past learning numbers and animals and short conversational Cree. So I guess the biggest barrier has been been accessed there's there's not many teachers i've had three language teachers who are all men at the university level i've had solomon rat randy morin and dr kevin lewis they're all professors at the university of regina and the university of saskatchewan and so the biggest barrier is hearing what a fluent speaker sounds like especially when that's your aspiration there's not many, even women, I've barely heard, I've only heard a few Cookums speak very fluent Cree. And so it's hard to learn at that level when there's not that much being offered around you. Yeah. I always thought that Saskatchewan was uh, like a province. I know there's a lot of Cree, Cree people there. I thought it was probably the most spoken population of people that spoke Cree, mm. but, you, but you're telling me that hardly anybody you know or you've already heard much Cree being spoken in Saskatchewan? Yes, so there's there's a lot of learners. There's a lot of people who know how to introduce themselves, which is great. It's amazing that there's so many people learning how to speak it, but there's not that many high-level teachers, so right. there's not that many people to learn from. Would, uh, would you say that there's a lack of uh, teachers and would you say there's a lack of ongoing uh, pre-language courses in the, in the city or in the communities? Yes, there's a few immersion, not immersion, um, bilingual schools here in Saskatoon. So there's an elementary school as well as this, this school called Wakotuin. They offer a pre-language bilingual program. But as far as curriculum development goes around Cree, there's not much offered in like everyday high school. You would have to go to a specific bilingual school to, to grow up around language or to be in a school system that offers teaching you how to learn your language. And so it's not that there's not a lot of teachers. I'm sure there is. It's just there's not that much at the at the higher level and there's not that much in mainstream. Like you would have to go out of your way to access those types of programs. 
Okay. From, uh, from your perspective, what has worked well or has been a positive learning method or approach in your learning experience? What are some positive things that you've encountered? Hmm. Um, so, like I mentioned, I've learned a lot of my language from Dr. Kevin Lewis. He's ahead of the Kanyasic camps. Um, there also is a Cree language immersion school up in, uh, I forget where it is, but it's up north in Saskatchewan. And he offers complete immersion. He says that there's barely any English spoken at his camps. Even though the kids and whoever attends the camps don't know what he's saying, they're immersed. And so to create speakers, we have to speak it. And so he really pushes the immersion part of language learning, and that has worked wonders. I've been a part of his Indigenous Languages Certificate Program for almost two years now, and I've learned the most language I've ever learned in my entire life through him because of his immersion methods and so another thing that has worked really well is learning different language acquisition methods in curriculum and so there's a few methods called PWIM which is the picture word inductive method and then there's a method by Eric Wolvengray and then there's also an ASLA method which is an accelerated second language acquisition method and that was coined by Dr. Gray Morning I believe and so Learning how to teach definitely teaches you as, as a learner, but it also gives you the tools to be able to share what you've learned and how to teach how you've learned, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, maybe you can just talk a little bit more about the detail about the, uh, the, the methods you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the PWIM method, the picture word inductive method, allows students or learners to learn through pictures. And so if I were to show you a picture of a dog, I would say um, Tanawawa. And so that means, what is this? And then students would reply, it's mostly a repetition way of learning. And so you would have the students go back and forth this is what this is, what is this? And so that's a really good way to teach children, but it's also beneficial for adults too. I've learned a lot of um, different nouns using that method. And then the Arok Wolven Gray method is a method of writing Cree. And so Cree has a standard Roman orthography. So there's English alphabet letters but there's different ways of pronouncing them and things and so um, learning these methods helps uh, learners write and read Cree and there's also the Takebeknuk which is the syllabic system Um, I've learned syllabics and I know how to teach it you don't see a lot of that around in schools I know maybe a few people that know how to read and write syllabics. And so that method helps language learners in syllabics as well. And then the ASLA method is a highly, highly regarded method in learning Cree because it it scaffolds all of these methods together and creates one big portfolio of how to use repetition. Repetition is one of the biggest things in Cree language learning because 
we we learn from from sound we learn from the different sound systems the different sounds of words and so that method just compiles everything together and allows language learners to hear see and speak cree and read it as well would you say that the roman orthography method is effective way of learning to speak cree to speak it it's it's very hard. A lot of people can look up on Cree dictionaries on how to say something, let's say, and they post it on social media. But it's very hard to learn how to say words because there's long vowels, there's short vowels, there's vowel pairs, there's minimal sets that that sound the same. There's there's lots of minimal pairs that are the same spelling but they sound different there's mm -hmm. there's lots of different ways to say things and so that's why there's not that many speakers because it's hard to i guess hear something online there's a lot of cree language resources online but there's not a lot of audio or or teachings online and we live in a very online world right now <laughs> right <laughs> mm -hmm. what about the uh... You mentioned that you learned syllabics. Would that be like you think that's an advantage to learn syllabics first, and then once you're starting to learn Cree? Mm, I learned syllabics very on in my my learning. Um, so I guess yes, because syllabics. When you're learning syllabics, you go through the sound systems first. And it's almost like learning two things at once. So you're learning the standard Roman orthography and the syllabic symbols all at once. And so it's very easy to learn because it's so simple. So one symbol could mean one letter and you know that that, that, that is connected to one letter and one sound. And so sounding out these words when you're reading the syllabics is, is easy because you're just like uh 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 like when you're reading it it's very simple these symbols are for are these sounds and these symbols are for these sounds mm -hmm. and so it's a very beneficial way of hammering those sounds in your brain it's kind of like um quim because you see symbols or pictures and you know that that correlates to a certain sound so yeah it's like two letters in the in a roman orthography is one symbol right Yes, yes. Like ka, ke, ku, ka. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll tell you a, a story about, I'll, I'll try to make this quick. Mm -hmm. I'm a, I'm Cree speaker. My wife is uh, Inuit, and uh, I don't know how to write syllabics, but I speak Cree very well. And my wife speaks Inuktitut, but she does, she, she knows syllabics, right? That's, uh, that's what she does in her job. Uh, so, the Cree syllabics and the Inuktitut syllabics are pretty much the same. There, mm -hmm. there might be slight variations on uh, on, on the letters, but uh, so I asked her to write a letter for me to my grandfather. Mm -hmm. I spoke Cree, and she typed it out on uh, on the computer and printed it out with me. <laughs> so I asked her to read it back to me, and she was reading. She was talking Cree. Everything okay. that I had said, she, she she wrote it out. So she wrote it, she, she read it out to me, like she didn't, she didn't understand a word she was saying, but <laughs> she, she was speaking Cree to me, which was quite, quite, quite amazing. I asked my grandfather about it and he pulled it out of his Bible and he said, yeah, it's right here. I understood it very clearly. <laughs> 
Yeah, uh, syllabics is very easy to translate into different dialects. You just change a symbol or add a symbol and you've got right. a completely different dialect. So yeah, <laughs> they're yeah. very versatile in that way. Right, yeah. <laughs> uh, I know, uh, I think Kevin Lewis, like, that name sounds familiar. Mm -hmm. uh, we did a, an interview with him, I think, last year. Mm. Uh, the first part of this, this is, this is part two of the language project that we're working on. Mm -hmm. And uh, Kevin Lewis, uh, I think it's the same guy. Uh, he's out in Saskatchewan somewhere. Uh, he's uh, he's a teacher, right? He's a Greek language teacher. Yes. Yeah. yeah must be the same guy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. In your language learning experience, what would you like to see change or improve as a language learner? What what would you like to see change or improve? I guess a lot of the barriers in terms of access have to do with with funding there's not a lot of government funding programs on in communities and there's not a lot of teachers in communities because most of those teaching jobs go to people with more teaching experience it doesn't necessarily have to do with what you know and so i guess what i would like to see in communities is is more free like government funded language programs because not everyone has the money to take a university course that that costs $400 a, a course, you know? And so if there's a lot of learners, there needs to be a lot of, a lot of resources that way. And I think in the future that Cree should definitely be digitized. I know that there's a lot of backlash against putting our culture and our, and our teachings online. However, like I mentioned earlier, we live in a very online-based world. There's things like digital currency coming up in the world. And so if we were to share our language and how to teach it online, that would offer access to anybody who has a phone, which is pretty much anybody nowadays from the age of 12 and up. So if we were to put our language on social media platforms, our teachings on different apps or something that would be revolutionary in terms of revitalization and resilience in language learning. Right. Mm -hmm. That's been mentioned a couple of times, actually, the, uh, well, somebody developing an app to learn, to learn a uh, language. Uh, yeah, that's true. It's, it's expensive to go to university just to learn Korean. We shouldn't have to do that. Like, you know, yeah, we should, uh, we should be available in public schools and you know in the communities you know at, at no cost to people because it's so important to our languages are you know are in jeopardy of disappearing so uh this whole revitalization is so important to indigenous people in canada mm -hmm. <clears throat> i want to go to a couple more questions for you um, mm -hmm. what would you say is the most important thing to keep in mind when learning or when venturing to learn indigenous languages I think one of the biggest things that scare a lot of people is how how different you feel. And so sometimes I do feel a little red-faced when I introduce myself in Cree. It's it's not embarrassing, but it's different. You don't hear that all the time. And so I think if you get over the hump of that fear because it's not a very spoken language, I think if you get over that fear, you're going to you're going to feel that in your blood, that it's, this is who you are. And this is how you reclaim those colonial spaces. If you introduce yourself in Cree in university, you're going to reclaim 
those colonial spaces. You're going to make yourself known that this is, this is your land. This is your language, you know? And so I think when you're speaking your language, you're almost rebirthing yourself again. You're, you're creating a new you because you're reclaiming your language and, and it's scary. It's a lot of responsibility for yourself and for the language, but it needs to be done. And I think that when we speak it, even if it's just a simple saying good morning to your kids or telling them to take a bath in Cree or telling them to eat their food in Cree, it's it's different because you're learning you're learning how to speak it every single day to your kids. You're learning how to introduce yourself. You're learning how to say good morning. And it's it comes full circle because your kids are going to understand what you're saying eventually because they're learning another language while learning English. And so I think if we get over get over feeling silly, speaking Cree, even if we don't say something completely right, I think in the end, your spirit's going to thank you for learning your language. Right. Mm-hmm. I think you're on the right path. Uh, uh, you seem to speak Cree. The words that I've heard you say, you speak them very well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you're not holding anything back. I think you, you're going to achieve your goals. From talking to you, I get I sense that uh, about you. But that, the last question on this interview is about, is, uh, are there any other Indigenous language initiatives or projects happening in your community that you would like to share? I guess I'll just mention again my teacher's camps. Uh, they're called the Kaniasic Culture Camps. You can look it up on Google. Um, How do you spell that? Uh, K-A-N-I-Y-A-S-I-H-K. And then culture camps. And so these camps, they offer they offer complete immersion. You get to hear Kakisamoin, you get to hear Nigamoin, you get to hear Nimitoin. And there's hide scraping and dog sledding, and there's um wow. moccasin making, and you get to hear prayer from elders. You get to immerse yourself in this language. And so it's very beneficial for people to go check that out because it's different. It makes you feel different inside. Just like when you hear the the beat of a powwow drum, it makes you feel different. And so immersing yourself in this language allows you to feel reassurance, I guess. Yeah. So if you want to learn your language, I would highly recommend checking that out as well as looking into any bilingual program. So like I mentioned, the Wakutuan school, and there's also the St. Francis Cree school in Saskatoon here. Mm-hmm. It's an elementary school. So if you want your kids to be learning Cree at a young age, I would highly recommend putting them in that school. That's in Saskatoon? <laughs> yes. Yep. And if there's any online free course offerings in your community or language offerings in your community take them even if you just learn how to say it's cold outside then that's more than than what you learned yesterday so <laughs> anything that's offered online take it even if it seems not worth your while it is <laughs> all right very well said mm-hmm. thank you for taking the time so on on behalf of the legacy Hope foundation thank you very much for talking with us and uh, you take care.
Yeah, can I ask you to know well? Thank you. You ask me to, yeah. <laughs>